Welcome to Grant Seeker Coffee Talks, a podcast for nonprofits to listen and learn from their peers. In this episode, Tammy Tilsey sits down with Barbara Flourish to discuss her new book. Barbara has raised millions of dollars in grant funding, served as a reviewer for federal grant competitions, trained thousands of nonprofit staff members throughout the U.S. and internationally, and she's even testified before Congress on reauthorization of the National Endowment for the Arts. I could actually go on for another 20 minutes talking about all the achievements and experience Barbara has, but let's go ahead and dive right into this conversation. Barbara's complete bio and information on her new book can all be found in the episode notes. So without further ado, here's Tammy. Hi, Barbara. We are so excited to have you as our guest today. We've featured some of your blogs and have had you as a trainer on our Grant Seeker educational webinars. And we are just so excited to have you on our podcast today. Well, thank you for having me, Tammy. I am really pleased to be here. And I love working with you guys at Founder for Grant Seekers. You're wonderful. Thanks. That's great. You, you bring you know, over 40 years of experience in grants, and there's so much wisdom you have to offer. We could talk forever. <laughs> but today, we're here to talk about something new. You recently released a book titled, You Have a Hammer, Building Grant Proposals for Social Change. I enjoyed reading an early copy of the book, and now I'm anxiously waiting for my book to arrive any day now. Uh, but before we dive into what you put in the book, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about why you wrote the book? Sure, Tammy. Thanks for asking. You know, I've been a trainer for the Grantsmanship Center for over 20 years. And in that role, I've traveled all over the country and to other countries, and I've trained thousands of people. And in, in doing that, I found out consistently that there are widespread misperceptions and untruths that people in the profession have that limit the change-making power of their work. And I saw that so frequently, so many of these misperceptions so frequently that over about four years ago, I started taking a little time here and a little time there to write small pieces of what I call advice to correct or redirect that thinking so that those who are charged with writing grant proposals can sort of get off on the right foot. Now, that said, I've also met thousands of people who are doing the work, who have been doing the work, and some are bringing in the grant dollars, but they still don't have sort of the mindset that helps them to be most successful in making change. And so I wrote it to give advice to try to give people a foot up because, you know, people get into this profession, grants professional, they usually wander into it. People don't go to college and say, I want to be a grants professional. You're in a nonprofit. uh, Somebody needs you to do the work. You do it. You turn out to be somewhat good at it. You start bringing in money and it becomes your career. But a lot of times you're doing that work for many years before you have any insights from people who are looking at that work in a broader way and saying, do you realize all that this is and all that it really could be? So that's what I want to help people understand. I see that. Yes, that's that's great. Thank you for, for, for providing that. And I've seen that too. There are so many like you said, wander into the profession or they call it accidental grant pro, right? You know, uh, yes. uh, trying their hand at it and, and becoming good at it. So um, having more guidance or advice on on the why uh, is is key. So an, another thing that that really intrigued me is the title. At the, at the beginning, you have a hammer. That is so interesting. Why did you choose that as the title for your There's book? a story behind that, actually. When I started these little pieces of advice, as I call it, and then eventually they amassed into a book, a small book, um, I 
called this the little green book of grantsmanship because it was going to just be a green book and it was going to say the little green book of grantsmanship. And when I uh, talked to people about that title, basically I got a really big yawn. People said, I don't know what's in the book. I don't know what it's about. It's not very interesting. So when I started working with the publisher, I said, okay, if it's not interesting, let's try grants as tools for social change. And they said, well, that's better, but that's still not wonderful. And we're having, I'm going to call it a vibrant discussion. And I said, I said, if you do this work right, you have a tool, you have a hammer. And all of a sudden, everybody said, that's the title. You have a hammer because it's based on Pete Seeger's folk song from the, the late mid to late 40s if I had a hammer, because reality is that if you do the work right, you do have a tool for social change because grants work in its very nature is social activism. But people who wander into this don't necessarily understand that. As I've taught people over the years and help them to understand that I've seen fireworks, people just all of a sudden really understand and get all fired up about what they're doing. I had a woman I was working with who training who worked in a um, skid row housing in Los Angeles. And she wrote me a year or so later and said, you have no idea how it changed my approach to the work to understand the essence of what the work really is. So that's what I want people to understand before they go into the how-to and the details and what's an outcome and what's an activity and so forth. Yes, yes. And, you know, that's one of the things I love most about the book is that it's so concise to the point. I, You know, it's less than 90 pages in every chapter. Every page gave me a clear takeaway. I, I grabbed a highlighter right off, but quickly realized that you basically did that for me <laughs> uh, because it was so concise. And when I reached the end, I had the same experience that you're talking about, the, the, the person in your training. I felt that my thoughts and ideas around grant seeking were put into alignment, if you will. You know, I, I felt that shift and, and feeling that shift made me realize that we could get focused on the wrong things over time and maybe a little off course. And I've, I'm sure you've seen that, too. So what are some of the misperceptions about grant work that are the most limiting, the biggest barriers, if you will, that could get in the way of producing that lasting impact? Right. I think the first one is that submitting grant proposals is all about getting money because money is certainly a part of the transaction, but the transaction itself is not at all about money. I mean, money's just a means to an end. And so the transaction is really when you have a, a resource group, the funder group with its mission and your organization agreeing that something needs to be done is then we're going to do this thing together. And so understanding that you shouldn't even go out and look for the money until you've really wrapped your head around why you need to do something and then how what you need to change, how that needs to change. So the transaction, a grant proposal is a request for money, of course. But I say it's that's only just it is a blueprint for change. It's a financial plan. It's a partnership agreement. It's it's so many things. And then there's the money. But the money's just a tool. Another one is that grant proposal writers often are isolated in their work. And so I have seen many proposal uh, specialists, grants professionals, whose work is very apart from the planning or strategic work or strategic plan of the organization. The role is, you know how to get grant funding, go get it. So think up something, write a proposal and get the money. Uh, there's a lot of that. I think that a lot of people who are in this field who are doing the work, what I call the right way, will say, oh, no, surely there's not a lot of that. But let me just tell you, there is. And so when a grant proposal writer does that, it brings in the money. It starts steering the 
focus, the course of an organization. And that's just not a proper role for that grants professional. So the grants professional needs to be integrated into the life of the organization, the planning, the why, the priorities of the organization. Um, A couple of brief examples. I trained a woman who worked at a hospital and she was instructed by her administrator to respond to a federal request for proposals that would change the way some of the emergency room work was done. It would impact emergency services. So she said, fine, let's have a meeting. Let's get the emergency people in. Let's get the administrators in. He said, we don't have time for that. They're too busy. Go write the proposal. So I said, okay, you can get fired a couple of ways. You can get fired by not doing it, (laughs) or you can get fired by doing it without input when you're not an expert to change something you know nothing about. So I advise you that you push this, take it to the mat. She did, and she missed the last day of the training, but she got a meeting finally with those people. But it speaks to the lack of understanding of what grants work is. Had another young woman, and she was a young woman, but lots of people seem young to me. Um, <laughs> she worked for a Native American tribe. She was worked with a tribal administrator, and her whole job was to get grant funding. No direction about what or why. All she had to do was to find opportunities, think up something, write proposals and get the money. So right there within that one young woman's influence, she had not a lot of experience. She was she was directing the course of the tribal work. So that that's that's an example of how not to do it. That's one of the things. I mean, I could go on and on. Actually, almost every one of these little I don't know, I'd call them chapters. If some, somebody called them mini chapters, I think I'm going to say little pieces of advice is important. I mean, each one of them is something that I've seen and I've seen have the opposite effect from what grants work can be. The change-making power of grants work, if you think about why you need to do it a certain way. I am so thankful that you've taken your insight and and your years of of seeing so many things happen over and over again so you you could you could see which which you know potholes people stumble into and and have have focused on those most common ones to help people avoid that um yeah, the isolation and just getting funding and and having the organization have to change to to meet the funding that you get uh, those are some big barriers. How about some of the the reminders and advice in terms of what are some some key thoughts that you want people to take away after reading your book? I want them mainly to know or to keep in mind that every piece of grants work, professional grants work, is about making change. So that means that whether it's the money or the planning or whatever it is, all of that is a means to an end. And that end is some sort of betterment. It can be making a problem better, filling in a met need, or it can even be seizing some opportunity to bring some quality of life, vibrancy into a community, all of those things. But that's what it's about. And so it always goes back to basically mission-driven. I mean, we all talk about mission-driven fundraising, mission-driven grants work, and that's what it is. But in the day-to-day life, in the stresses of either public or private nonprofits, that that can get lost. There's a constant struggle for money. People are often overworked and underpaid. And so the quest for money, for survival, can derail the focus on mission. So 
it's a matter of certainly you got to survive, but stepping back, bringing the grants work into the heart of the organization, integrating it in to other forms of fund development, integrating it into planning. Certainly one takeaway I want people to have is that just because your organization needs money does not necessarily mean it needs a grant that grants are wonderful resources for certain types of things and not so great for other types of things. Um, Great for starting some new project where you really need to test something out or or some sort of uh, change making where the change is going to happen within the period of grant funding. And so keeping that change going is going to be an easier thing to achieve. So it's it's really saying what is and is not appropriate for grant funding instead of saying we I, I want to see organizations not be what I call accordion organizations. That means we got lots of grants money. Hooray. Oh, the money's shrinking. Oh, no, it's going in and it's going out again. And so those stress lines are so uh, fracturing to the ability of an organization to move strategically towards its mission, towards its work. So there are just so many things. One thing, obviously, is respect for your constituency. You do things with people and not to people. So you engage those you intend to benefit in planning. You are have a keen eye towards cultural relevance, towards the ethics of the work and the evaluation. Um, I have so many stories. It's almost as though you could ask me about any one of these instances, and I could give you a story about it, about the <laughs> what not to do. But the... There are many, many people out there who have embraced this and are doing really good work. Yes. Yay. Go you. But there's also people who are really doing good hard work. They just don't yet understand exactly the essence of what it is they're doing and what it could be. So I want to encourage those who are doing this work in a change-making way to reach out to their colleagues, help them understand. And I want to also give voice to those who are doing it right to say, thank you. Uh, thank you for doing that. You are making a difference. And maybe hopefully give them some words. Maybe some of the phrases in the book will give them some words to use when they need to explain something that they haven't thought about just in the same way as I've presented it. Yes. That is that is so great to to think about because I I know there's uh, for people that that don't have it nailed down or aligned right and and are struggling to do what they're asked and and trying to see and and feel that they are failing when really it's it's more they're getting asked to do something that's close to them. It's very difficult to do if you if you don't focus on that mission and realize why you're you're doing that and having the programs and strategy you know fit with what grants you're going after. So once you do have that aligned or using the words to help push for it, knowing what what you're shooting for as a, a grant writer gets into their job can be very helpful. So that, that, uh, I really appreciate that. And I see that in your book. Um, and, and thinking of a grant professional, uh, it's, it's easy to see how a grant writer at a nonprofit can benefit from reading and rereading this book. But, uh, thinking of that larger picture and the ecosystem around there, can, can you talk a little bit about how this book relates to administrators and, and board members as well? You know, it, it's a bit of a hard question because some administrators and board members are, of course, very open to hearing from the grants professional within their organization and respecting that opinion. And some aren't so much. And so if you have an open minded board and administrators you're working with and uh, you would like them to read the book. It's a short book, and it would help you all be on the same page. And you could even discuss some of the issues within the book, such as 
where does the grants professional's role fit in pro into program planning, into overall strategic planning? How can we integrate the grants role with overall fund development? What's best to be put into that major donor category, that ongoing annual fund category, and where do grants come in and come in behind that and, and support it and so forth? Now, if you can have the leaders within your organization read the book and then discuss the pieces that raise those sorts of questions, wow, that would really bring you forward as a team in developing some mutual understanding of the grant's role, the grant's promise, the promise of that grant's role. If people are not open to doing that, I guess what I could say is at least maybe the book can give you the language you need, if, if you don't yet have it, to speak with your administrators and boards and tell them that that's the essence of the work, that's the best practice in the field, and that it may sound so high-minded and philosophical, but reality check is that if you do that work in that way, you are going to be more successful. You will be more successful in bringing in grant funds and the funds that you bring in will be more meaningful because they will have been strategically considered to drive the organization in the way that it direction it needs to go. And they'll also produce better results for your constituents. So which are then success bills on success, et cetera. So that's, I think with administrators, if you have a reluctant administrator to say, just go off and get in the corner and write it up, you know, and that <laughs> happens a lot. If you can say, we can be more successful at this, if, if I could just have a conversation with you to show you how we can be even more successful at this. Maybe that will be the carrot that will get the sort of reluctant administrator to sit down and say, okay, I'm ready to listen. Right, right. And it's not like you're asking them to write the, the grant or the funding, but by working together, you, they make you uh, more uh, successful at, at writing that. So um, at Foundant, we have we have the pleasure to serve both grant makers and grant seekers with our software and, and services. And we provide solutions that help are designed to help them focus on focus less on the mechanics of the granting process take some of that off their plate make it easy take less time but allow more focus on their missions and and in doing that for both grant makers and grant seekers we could see this larger picture of wow if you partner together right you know yes. this it's only half the picture if you're only looking at half the picture. So it, looking at the full picture and how nonprofits and, and, and their funders and can work together to achieve these missions, how do you see your book relating to funders and speaking to them? I really see it. I hope that funders will take the book and use it to help educate the grant seekers they encounter. I think that funders have a unique role that even if they don't give capacity building funding to organizations, their very role puts them in a position to be able to build capacity in very subtle ways. And one way is helping grant seekers understand the essence of the work and the potential power of the work and helping them to understand that if they do focus on mission and partnership rather than money, that they're going to be more successful in getting grant awards. Because once again, since grant awards are not basically about money, they're basically about partnership. A partnership and change is the way I call it. Um, because that's the purpose of it, then I'm hoping that funders can say, you know, here's a little book. If you just read this, it's easy, it's short, but this is about the essence of the work we can do together. Um, 
So I hope that that would be a resource for funders, because also I have talked to a lot of funders (laughs) in my travels and, oh, do they get some off the mark grant requests? Oh, do they get requests from people who have not done any research into the the potential fit of the funder with the purpose? Um, Sometimes even if you get to a site visit, the funder finds out that this uh, proposal was developed in a vacuum. There's been no input from the community, from constituents, from others who are actually doing similar work or at least interested in the topic as well. So I hope that funders will see it as a, a gift to them as well, because they say, here's just a little a little something to help you along your way, because you've got a lot of promise out there, grant seeker, but you need to get your head wrapped around this in the correct direction. Yes. And, and having that alignment, that seeing it that way would be such a gift at at an early stage for the nonprofits as they're like, okay, we need funding. And and that seems to be the biggest focus, reminding them what the focus is and, and how uh, they could work better in that way to, to be more effective at getting that funding. I see that. Thank you. I would say that It's certainly, absolutely, when somebody's first, as we say, wandered into the field of being a grants professional, which most people do. But I do see people who have been in the field quite a long time who haven't had the opportunity to consider things within a certain viewpoint that does change their perspective towards their work once they really can do that. I trained a woman from a state agency, state Uh, employees write tons of grant proposals, public nonprofit, lots of opportunities for proposals to the federal government. And uh, I had a woman from a health department who wrote up a whole proposal. She got it funded and everybody in the department was about ready to fire her because because she had involved constituencies, other other people within the organization. And there had been no demand that she did. Somebody just signed off on it, you know. This is a little too much like the Wild West out there. Uh, We need to sort of try to round it up and get some greater expectation of communicating to these thousands of people out there writing grant proposals. There are thousands and thousands of them. And many of them have had neither the benefit of good, solid training or good, solid thinking about what it is they're actually doing, the essence of what it is they're doing. That is a good point. And and it dovetails real nicely into my next question I was going to ask you about consultants. Uh, having people that have seen success or have figured out part of the game of, you know, how to write more concisely, how to use the language of the funder, and and then also as you hope, you know, really get the reason why you're doing this, they can help a a nonprofit start their grant efforts in a way uh, that's more on track. How, what are some of the other ways, or can you dive into that further of how a consultant can, can use what you've brought in this book to help their clients? Sure. I'd be glad to. In fact, I have at least two consultants who I'm in touch with, who say that they are going to be buying copies of the book for their clients. Because what a lot of consultants run into is they they get an organization, a nonprofit says, we need to uh, have a contract with you to come in and do this piece of work. Okay, just come write it up. They, they if the nonprofit doesn't understand their role and their responsibility in laying out the program plan and putting together and building the collaborations and the partnerships, the grants professional, the consultant, there's only so much that person can do. And if they're being asked to produce uh, grant proposals within an environment that doesn't honor the essence of the work and make sure it's it's done 
deeply connected to the community and so forth and in line with the strategic plan, in line with priorities and so forth, even in line with the philosophy of the organization, then the consultant's in a bad spot. I'd be willing to bet you that there are a lot of really talented grant professional consultants out there who run into this constantly that they have organizations who don't understand. And so part of what they end up doing is educating the organization. So what I'm hoping is that this can be a gift to them to have a concise thing. Once again, they could ask their their client to read. It's short. (laughs) It doesn't take that long. Um, And then talk about the places in the book where there seem to be some issues like involvement in program planning, involvement of beneficiaries, collaborations. I was once called by a a very well-heeled group on Long Island. They flew me and a group of other people to Long Island because I had been a reviewer for Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration on their SAMHSA grants. And they wanted to, to, they were writing a very important proposal and they wanted to call in a group of experienced SAMHSA reviewers to pre-review their proposal and give them advice. So I did. And they were there was a very strong emphasis on collaboration and joint decision making with community groups and so forth. And this group had very shallow, it was, it was just so obvious that that was not something that was really embraced. So the, the two things that I identified in my review were were true authentic collaboration with others in the community and also with constituents. And then the other thing is they were sort of mixed up on what's an outcome and what's not. So after all of that time and money they spent, they lost the proposal. It was not funded. And the reasons were the outcomes and the collaboration. I mean, it's just... Those things, if they're not, you can talk the talk, but that talk often shows up as shallow within an organization, not believable. It doesn't pass what one of my funder friends used to call the straight face test. You know, it just doesn't feel real. So I think that that consultants can raise these questions with their clients and once again, let their clients know, look, This is going to help you be more successful. But one thing I do point out in the book when it comes to collaborations, just sort of jumping around and back to that, is that authentic collaboration requires give and take. It requires sharing power. It requires uh, mutual decision making and and often sharing funds. And so you, if you're not going to do authentic collaboration, it's more likely to be a hindrance to the program than a help. And if you are not doing authentic collaboration and you pretend like you are, it's going to ring hollow. <laughs> and so you will end up you know, getting dinged on that in your proposal, and rightly so, I mean, the award process. Yes. <clears throat> I really love how you, you said if you could get people to read it as a starting point, wow, that's, that's a great gift, a great starting place but even if you look at the table of contents and skip to the part where you see the problems I love that because I have the table and contents in front of me and I I'm looking at a a couple of the chapter heads and and it really I could see them you useful in 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 helping that for instance a couple of my favorites are you go from know your field to know your organization. And that's reminding me of like, okay, you got to have your organizational history. You got to have your, you know, what you've done in the past and all about you. But then the next chapter is, it's never about your organization. (laughs) Exactly. Right. You know, can you speak a little bit more to, to that point? You know, nonprofit people who work in work in nonprofits, nonprofit staff members are, are, a lot of times they are so committed to their effort 
you know, and I, I, I have a term and I hope it doesn't offend anybody, but I often call it the nonprofit sweatshop. It's a it's a values based sweatshop because people often work such long hours and so hard and sometimes they're not paid much at all. You know, so they're really committed to what they're doing. And because of that, they often write proposals that are sort of headed in the wrong direction. It's like our services, we don't want to lose staff members, our, how many people are coming to our events or whatever. And it's never about your organization. It's never about, aren't your services wonderful? Well, they may be. Can you tell me how they impact the people or whatever it is you're working to benefit, how they impact the environment, how the environment has changed, how animals are rescued more, how how people's lives are better. Because the only reason your organization matters at all is because of the results and benefits that it brings to those it's intended to assist. So always, always you start with what is the intended benefit to those we serve, to the issue we serve, to the cause we serve? So, but it, it's so tempting. I've seen so many proposals. Uh, we're losing money. If we don't get funding, we'll have we'll lose five staff members and have to cut back three classes, uh, art classes for seniors, for elderly. Okay. Well, that sounds really too bad, but how's it going to hurt the, how does that, address the elderly, what's going to be bad for them. So it's never about your organization. Now, you have to know your organization because the quality of your organization is going to be a big factor in your success in winning grant awards because you got to be able to demonstrate competence uh, in outcomes and what you're achieving. How do you know you're making a difference? You got to be able to say how many, how much you've served and what degree of difference you've made. And financially, you've got to show that you're sound, you have policies and procedures. Certainly with the feds right now, you, you got to show written policies and procedures. And so the quality of your organization is paramount. But so even if you write a wonderful grant proposal, and you you click off all the right boxes in terms of the RFP, the request for proposals, and your organization can't demonstrate impact, can't demonstrate community involvement and collaboration, financial uh, ethics and, and responsibility and responsiveness, then you still very, very well may not get funded. Because I've heard funders say, you know, we can fix a grant proposal. We can help tweak a program. But our job is not to fix your organization. So funders are looking for very strong partners. You have to understand where your organization excels, where you've got some soft spots. Let's say that as a grants professional, your organization does not have good data on outcomes or even on how many people you serve, that there's just not good data. Your gift to the organization is you can go and say, look, I can't do good work. I can't win grant funding if I don't know what our organization is actually doing and producing and meaning in the community. And so if you do this work right, not only do you strengthen the things that need to be strengthened in the community, it actually can strengthen the infrastructure of the organization by saying, I need to be able to demonstrate this and that, and I cannot right now. This is the kind of data I need. How can we put these pieces into place? So it's, um, sim- I don't know what you call it, symbiotic, you know, where it helps the grants professional, but it also builds the internal capacity and structure of the organization when the work is done in a certain way. Yes, yes. And and that that ties to a, a couple other of the, the chapters of you know sustained impact, not programs, right? Again, it's it's about your constituents and what you're doing. And don't you remember, Tammy? I think you might remember, I surely do in the day. And and still a lot of people believe that the definition of sustainability 
is keeping a program going after the grant ends. And in reality, if you if because the only purpose of a program is to produce impact, the question is how do you sustain impact after the grant funding is not activities. Now, will you need to sustain some activities? Very possibly so. Uh, some of them maybe, not maybe at all at the same level. Maybe other groups are going to adopt them. There's lots of ways to look at this. But the question is never the activities because the activities are the means to the end, the impacts, the end, sustain impact, not activities. If you, if Sometimes you may need to keep everything going. In that case, you got to look at that in a lot of different ways, too. But I would challenge people to say, you know, if we're really deeply integrated into the community and collaborating and working with our constituencies, what are some of the creative ways that this impact that we're produced and proven can be produced, can be sustained within the community, within the ecosystem, as you put it, or the environment in which we work? And I do have examples of, of that happening. For example, I um, worked to set up a two different programs at a certain school. One was a student newspaper, which I, I like. I was on the student newspaper when I was in school. And the other was a, a garden, a school garden that would provide food to the lunchroom. And the program was so successful. It was an easy one because after the funding to get the whole thing started ran out, the school just picked it up because it fit very easily within the English curriculum, within the science curriculum, Within the um, within the school's mission to serve its students, and I've seen other things like that happen with the arts, where if you can get uh, arts prog prog programs started and then help integrate those programs into existing arts organizations, it becomes not a heavy lift for some of these things to keep going. So the impact continues even though the grant funds are gone. Yes. Yes. Wow. I've I've just picked out a couple of the the topics in your in your book, and I can see there's just so much that you have and and can speak on each of these nuggets. So, uh, how is the the book launch going, and and how are you able to get these this message out? I could see this evolving into you being on a speaking tour as well <laughs> as the book. Um, so, how's that going? You know, the book has been out officially published for one week today. So it's its one week birthday, Tammy. Happy Woo! birthday to the book. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I don't have a lot of experience in this. I did write another book I wrote with the Grantsmanship Center. I, I was the author of the update and expansion of Norton Carrot's seminal work, Grantsmanship Program Planning and Proposal Writing. That was a how-to book. And that book is so by the center. But I did a little bit of launching with that, but I was so involved in training and curriculum development, lots of other things that it wasn't my focus. So this is really my first experience. I would say it's going well. Within the first week, it had made it to number eight of all uh, philanthropy books on Amazon. Now, that bounces around because it depends on how many people buy on a particular day. But um, I have had interest already from a publisher in Canada who wants to bring it into Canada. Um, I've had outreach from some consultants who want to buy it for their uh, their clients. I would say, uh, and I've been, I've been on a national podcast and... Uh, featured in uh, the Grant Station newsletter. And I think all in all, it's going well. I think people are receiving it well. I've got really good feedback from people I don't know, which is even better because, <laughs> you know, they'll tell you they don't like it. Um, <laughs> so I think it's going well, but I don't really know what to expect. But in, in terms of speaking, boy, I could just talk a long time about all of this because it's it's really on my mind a lot. I, one thing I have been invited to do, I'm excited because I've written for years for the Nonprofit Times uh, affiliated with the Grantsmanship Center. But aside from that, since I've just retired, um, I've been invited to do an op-ed piece for the for the Nonprofit Times, which I will be doing now. And I, I think it's going to be interesting, I hope, to grants professionals because I'm really making the case that they need a better place at the table 
of uh, 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 the nonprofit table when it comes to being involved in strategizing and decision making and strategic planning, because I've, I've really looked at a lot of statistics, uh, some of which I'm sure you've heard. One is that it comes from the National Council of Nonprofits uh, from work they've done is that 80% of the revenue of, of nonprofits comes from government, no, comes from fee-for-service or government grants and contracts. Now, what that says, and, and also, of course, there's individual giving and there's there's corporate give, uh, corporate grants and foundation grants, which make up a lot smaller piece of the pie. But my message is this. Individual giving will always be incredibly important because it brings in flexible, growable resources that, that can help sustain those basic services and give you more flexibility. But if you look at the data, grants are hugely important to nonprofits. And if you bring in public funding, meaning government funding, not just the feds, but at all different levels, from taxes, from license fees, et cetera. Uh, that grant funding is double the individual giving. So what I'm advocating for is that the grants profession be giving a better, bigger place at the nonprofit table, in the decision-making table, so they can bring some of these important concepts into play within organizations and also advocating, I've looked at the curriculum. Now I can be challenged by people on this because I haven't looked at all curricula from all philanthropy schools, et cetera. But I've, I've looked at a number of the, of the courses in uh, schools for nonprofit management and for philanthropy. And I would rate the offerings in grant proposal development and grants management as paltry. They're, they're the um, also thought, second thought sort of thing, or offered through a school of continuing education rather than through the core construct of what it's all about. So I've got sort of a mission I'm talking about here. And it's sort of like you look, it, it's based on the data and it's based on seeing it done wrong so much when if it's done correctly, it is a huge boost to nonprofits, to communities. I don't philanthropy is defined as, as private giving. But public funds also have now and forever have been. I actually wrote a big piece on the history of federal funding that's used in a number, what used to be used in a number of colleges and universities. Uh, has always been one way that. Uh, we pursue the common good. So what we've got to figure out is if we have hundreds of thousands of people out there writing grant proposals that are making major impacts in communities, so somehow we've got to wrap our heads around supporting these people and this profession in a way that raises the bar. So that's that's part of my soapbox. Sorry, I got going on that. Oh my gosh, you you came up on the soapbox that I always usually get on about how can we help grant professionals be be more recognized, efficient, and effective, and and just uh, all of that. And and your stories, your vision that you just talked about. I mean changes how we look at these things and they're not really challenges as well you can look at them that way but the, it's also just opportunity. opportunity and I am so excited that you're focused on this and and that you are out there with your book uh speaking engagements etc um can you tell folks how best to get in contact with you or how to learn more about your book well thank you for well, the book is for sale every place books are sold, certainly on Amazon, but at other Barnes and Noble and other places as well. But I have a website which is Barbara Flourish, 
www.jennyfrankfurter.com. And so there's info about the book there and about me. But one thing I'm doing that I hope you'll all enjoy is I'm putting together a resource page because I have a number of favorite resources that I think really can be helpful to grant seekers. So there's a page that links you to some really some resources I really find important. One of them, just as an example, is the Outcome Indicators Project that is done by the Urban Institute along with uh, What Works What Works Group. Um, it was done some time ago, but they have 14 different areas where they put d- deep thought into what sort of outcomes you might want to propose around certain types of topics, everything from homelessness to the performing arts to job, you know, job skills, those sorts of things. So very, very helpful. And then they even provide uh, possible measures for that. So just some wonderful things. And I found a man in Australia who was very interested in program design and strategy, things like that, really deep thinking about some of the things that can help you all do the best work you can. Uh, I'm doing blogging. Uh, once I finish this op-ed for the Nonprofit Times, I'll link to that from my site. I need to put up another blog. I think the last one I did was in uh, very early January. So I'll be doing that. I plan to be doing writing and linking to some of that writing from my site. I am particularly interested in the topic of sustainability. And I think that's a topic that needs more discussion and explanation. So barbaraflourish.com, and then you can email me at barbara at barbaraflourish.com. So uh, please go to the website, learn more about the book, and I hope you'll buy the book. Um, I believe in it, but then I wrote it. <laughs> so I hope yeah. I believe in it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I hope I hope it'll do well. And if you enjoy it, I hope you'll review it uh, on Amazon or other sites that will give it a boost. Great. And I know you're so open to learning. That's how you accumulated all this great knowledge and advice. And so that's just a, a way of, of how you work. I appreciate that. And I appreciate your time. It's never enough time, Barbara. <laughs> we need to uh, remain in contact. Of course, Foundant is uh, really appreciative of our partnership with you. And we appreciate you so much for coming on and providing a little glimpse into your book for all of our listeners. And we hope you have the best success with this, which again, brings success and uh, help, helpful advice to grant professionals everywhere. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me, Tammy. And thank you to all of you grants people out there slugging it out, doing the good work to make your communities better. If nothing, I hope that the book, if nothing else, I hope the book will give you a lift and give you some words to give you an arm long enough to pat yourself on the back a little bit. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So that was our conversation. A big thank you to Barbara for sharing all her experience and talents with us. Barbara's new book was released on January 26th, 2021, and is available on Amazon and other sites where books are sold. I would highly encourage everyone to check out her new website, barbaraflourish.com, which includes information on her books, a blog, and links to grant-related resources. Barbara's also planning on offering a newsletter starting this month, so make sure to sign up for that. And just as a reminder, all this information can be found in the episode notes. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. You can look for announcements on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by following Foundin Technologies. So from everyone at Founded Technologies, thanks for listening. We hope you found it helpful, and we can't wait to connect with you again on our next Coffee Talk 